Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. Under the radar means hearing about things you didn't know you needed to know until you hear them. It's a serious look. Hear about the issues that don't get the attention they deserve. Under the radar doesn't get caught up in the day-to-day. Surfacing issues that are not talked about in mainstream media. I think it's something that connects us to each other. Under the radar is all about discovery. I can be guaranteed voices I haven't heard before. But also the questions. Under the radar is one step ahead. I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, these past few weeks, Iowa has been flush with presidential hopefuls, announced and unannounced. On the ground there recently, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, former Ambassador Nikki Haley, and former President Trump. Good morning. I bring greetings from the free state of Florida. I know America is better than all the division and distractions that we have today. And I'm confident that the American people agree. Within hours of my inauguration, I will cancel every Biden policy that's brutalizing our farmers. Even though it's nearly 600 days before November 2024, Iowa is the second early stop on the presidential campaign trail for most. They started with traditional pilgrimages to our northern neighbor, New Hampshire. Long-standing tradition has held New Hampshire as the first primary in the nation's presidential elections, but maybe not for long. Democrats are pushing South Carolina to that coveted spot, much to New Hampshire's dismay. Plus, a new local TV series considers why a certain kind of libertarian is flocking to New Hampshire. Our New Hampshire insiders are back. Later in the show, from his sickbed, her father sent her to find the person whom she'd longed to know all of her life, her mother. That's the core of a family story, poignantly chronicled in a new memoir by author Michelle Miller. It was such a moment of closure and such a moment of belonging for me, and that was the moment I was truly seen. Belonging, a daughter's search for identity through loss and love, is author Michelle Miller's new memoir, and it's our March selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. But first, joining me remotely, Arnie Arneson, former New Hampshire Democratic legislator, nominee for governor and candidate for U.S. Congress, and host of WNHN's The Attitude with Arnie Arneson. Welcome back, Arnie. It's been a while, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to have you. Also with me, Paul Steinhauser, national politics reporter for Fox News and campaign columnist for the Concord Monitor. And welcome back to you, Paul. Here we go again. Another cycle, Kelly. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So I want to start with the big conversation about first in the nation or not. And before you two jump in, let me uh, play this clip from New Hampshire Democratic Congressman Chris Pappas and Democratic U.S. Senator Maggie Hassan, who both told CBS Boston they want New Hampshire to remain first in the nation. We have a law that will back us up and flexibility for our Secretary of State to ultimately set the date uh, once every other state has done uh, set their dates. New Hampshire law requires us to have the first in the nation primary and we will continue to do that. Uh, I am deeply opposed to the president's proposal, which is just fundamentally flawed and misguided. 
All right. Because um, they're trying to enshrine it in the state constitution, and it is a law as we understand it, how is it that the Democratic National Committee can change to South Carolina? Um, and clearly it's not being received well. Let me remind everyone that this is a this is a partisan primary. It is about Democrats and Republicans. It is something that is set by both parties. The Republicans have chosen to keep the schedule. The Democrats have not. We have to recognize that. We can put something in our law. We can put something into our Constitution, but that's not going to impact what the Democratic Party is going to do nationally. And um, I mean, we can sort of put our tail between our legs and complain and, you know, basically insist that we continue to be first. But if no one shows up, what does first mean? If we we lose our ability to see delegates. What does first mean? I think it's unfortunate. I do question the idea of South Carolina as going first. Not that I don't want to see diversity within the Democratic primary, but it feels a little bit like, um, you know, a, a response to something because South Carolina delivered for Biden and therefore we give South Carolina first. There are a lot of other states that actually bring diversity to the table. And I just feel like in some ways it almost feels undemocratic to make South Carolina number one. Okay, Paul, what, you, what say you? Well, I'm a campaign reporter. So what are the campaign implications here? The Republicans, it's, it's basically ammunition for the Republicans, right? It, especially in a state like New Hampshire, which is a key general election battleground state. Could be go either way in 2024 for the race for the White House and, either, and in the congressional races. So this helps Republicans. And um, even some Democrats are looking at the president and saying, if he moves ahead, as we all expect, and runs for re-election, what states did he do terribly in back in 2020? Remember, <clears throat> came in fourth in Iowa, came in fifth in New Hampshire. Then he had to go to Nevada where he came in second. And finally, South Carolina's will put him, what boosted him to the White House. He won it in a landslide. So they look at this calendar, which the president suggested. This came from him back in December. And then the Democratic National Committee back in early February approved it. They're saying that this is really a move for him to secure renomination. Uh, and if there's going to be... If he runs, and we all expect he will, of course he's going to win renomination. That's not in doubt. No major figure in the Democratic Party is going to primary challenge him. But Marianne Williamson, who was a long shot in 20 and is a long shot again in 24, she's already in. She's up here in the state campaigning. Others may get in. If there's going to be any bit of mischief, if there's going to be any little headaches for Joe Biden, it's going to be in New Hampshire. And it looks like that's already underway. Mm. So, it's not going to hurt him, Callie. It's not going to hurt him because no one's going to remember this in November. When the Democrats go to vote, they're not going to vote and say, oh, my God, we lost our primary. This is about a country. This is about dramatic change. I'm sorry. There may be some mischief on the Republican side, but that's all they know how to do is make mischief. It's never been about policy. It's all been about politics. Marianne Williamson, I'm going to yawn. I'm just going to tell you right now. RFK, I'm going to yawn. I'm, no one's going to happen. That That's not credible right now. There may be someone at some point in time, but right now Biden looks Looks like he is like, you know, owns the seat. And it doesn't matter whether it was New Hampshire or South Carolina. He still is the only one that appears viable, at least at this moment. Oh, he's going to win the nomination, hands down. I totally agree with you, Arnie. But the mischief is not just on the Republican side. It's also on the Democratic side. They're coming here. They're going to get some headlines. Of course they are. They're going to get national attention. In the end of the day, will Biden win re-nomination? Of course. But this causes a little bit of trouble, and we in the media will be talking about it. Yeah, because, I, you know, I just don't see how you don't end up in New Hampshire with some kind of presence at this point, given the history and given I, I even if people don't remember the, the, the brouhaha about it, I, I don't see how anybody can bypass it 
at this point. Now, maybe maybe it'll all change, but but that's just me looking from the outside. But remember, New Hampshire's second, Kelly. We come in, we're second, okay? So we're not South Carolina, we're second. Live with it. What is it, Hurt or Avis, you know? It's okay. It's okay <laughs> but, but, we, but we won't end up second. That's the thing. The state the state law that will, you know, the, the, the primary will move up. It'll be an unsanctioned primary on the Democratic right. side. Biden will not come here. What He can't because it'll be unsanctioned. And that allows for, again, the mischief. It won't, in the end of the day, prevent him from winning renomination. But we're going to have a decent little story for the next, what, uh, 10 or 11 months? Yes, it's going to be interesting. All right, now, because you're first or second at this point, <laughs> however it's seen, everybody and their mama is up there <laughs> and is coming. Um, and some people are already there, as we've said. It's So folks who have announced... Um, and some people who are just exploring are still making their way to New Hampshire. One of the people who has announced is Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley, and she visited New Hampshire in February and laid out her argument. You have a beautiful state. You have an even more beautiful motto. We start focusing on new generational leadership, and the best way to do that is to put a badass woman in the White House. Well, Paul, a lot of people are saying it's very bold of her to, you know, decide she's running against her former boss because let's remind everybody she was ambassador in his administration. So far, he's not come out with a, a nasty nickname for her. But um, that's somewhat impressive that she decided she was stepping out. And of course, she's been in New Hampshire to get anointed. Yeah, you know, it was a race for, of one up until about a month ago, right? And that one was Donald Trump, the former president, announcing in mid-November. But he really hasn't done a lot of campaigning and while the polls still indicate he's the clear frontrunner for the Republican presidential nomination, he's not in the same situation of strength where he once was. He's got issues. Uh, give give Nikki Haley credit. I was in South Carolina for her launch. She then came up here and I covered her in New Hampshire as she campaigned for uh, a couple of days and then also had a very good uh, swing through Iowa. She's going to make repeat visits to both these states over and over again. You know, there's something to be said for being the first out of the gate to take on the former president. And she's claimed that mantle. She's running in a very aggressive campaign. Uh, she's poking fun at both President Biden, who's 80, and Donald Trump, who's 76, over their age. And she suggested that uh, there should be mental competency tests for any politician, 75 or over. Whether you agree with it or not, it's making headlines. Uh She's the first major one in. There's another guy called Vivek, Vivek Ramanswamy. He's in. He's a uh, entrepreneur, a multimillionaire. He's also a political commentator, best-selling author, and uh, a culture wars warrior. And others will be getting in as well. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and here with me are our New Hampshire insiders, Arnie Arneson of WNHN and Paul Steinhauser of Fox News and the Concord Monitor. We're discussing New Hampshire's role in the upcoming presidential election. All right, I'll just note that there are two other women's names that are out there. Nobody's announced. Christy Nome from South Dakota, Ultra conservative and Liz Cheney, who is anti-Trump as anti-Trump can be. Um, if I, I would, if I would imagine of the two, I can't imagine Liz Cheney getting in myself. But all right, but Christy Nome gets in. That gives uh, that gives uh, Nikki Haley a run for her money because they're in the same 
group, or she'd have to at least up her consult, uh, conservative um, bona fides in some way. I talked to people in, in Nome's political orbit. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, no, she's been active already this year with some high-profile speeches in Washington, D.C. last month. She's currently finishing up her legislative session where she's going to have some big conservative victories that she could tout if she wants to move forward and make a run for the White House. Listen, she was a very loyal supporter and ally of the former president, president, former President Trump. That's an issue now that he's obviously in the race. We'll see what happens. As for Cheney, I mean, sure, her mission, and she said it all along, is to make sure that Donald Trump is never president again. And if that means she needs to run for the nomination, she will. But there are some others out there that are very vocal critics of the former president. You mentioned one of them, our governor here in New Hampshire, Chris Sununu. Think Asa Hutchinson, who just finished up two terms as Arkansas governor, very conservative, but not a Trump fan. And he appears to be moving towards a nomination run. Uh, Another one decided against it, and that is Larry Hogan, the former two-term governor of Maryland. Yeah, that thought he would have been kind of a strong candidate. Yes, Arnie. And, and let me just say something about, about Ron DeSantis, because Ron DeSantis basically likes to run in a hermetically sealed environment. So he spoke, for example, in Texas. He spoke in Harris County and Dallas County. The media was not allowed to be there. What are they talking about in Florida? They're talking about making bloggers register. They're talking about, you know, being able to sort of file lawsuits against people in the media if they if they say something that might feel discriminatory. I mean, he he doesn't like campaigning. He doesn't like being questioned. And therefore, everyone loves what he does. But you know what? We know this very well, that if you're going to run for president, it's all going to be about free falling. It's all going to be about dealing with the media. It's all going to be about being nimble. And right now, we don't know whether Ron DeSantis has the skills to actually do that. I just want to throw one name out here that just to get the temperature. Have you heard that Tim Scott is coming your way? As people may know, Tim Scott is black and also from South Carolina, where Nikki Haley um, hails from um, and is making noises like he might run. Yeah, you know, and I apologize for not mentioning him earlier. He's another person we definitely need to keep your eyes on uh, when it comes to the Republican nomination race. I just saw him in action at a political event with GOP donors in Florida. This guy is he's a rising star in the Republican Party, the only black Republican in the U.S. Senate, a really accomplished public speaker. Uh, an incredible fundraiser. He's got $22 million, Callie, cash on hand, hard money just sitting around that he could instantly transfer over to a presidential campaign. That's a big chunk of change. He was just in Iowa about a week or two ago. Uh, He's probably going to be coming to New Hampshire and some of the other early voting states. He lives in South Carolina, which votes third. Keep your eyes on him. He's in his listening tour right now. Um, If he jumps in, yeah, he'll be another very formidable candidate. It'd be interesting to see what former President Trump would say of him, uh, nickname and all, but I'm just uh, putting that out there. Um, all right. On the Democratic side, we've got uh, Marianne Williamson, who's jumped in, and you were just recently talking uh, with her, Paul. Yes, yes. And she's spending, uh, she's, you know, and she announced for her, uh, the, for the presidency in, uh, in Union Station in Washington, D.C., then up here in New Hampshire for five straight days of campaigning, also went to South Carolina. One of the things she told me was, and she was, you know, very candid about this. She said that she felt like the White House, the Biden administration, the Democratic National Committee were all mocking her and, quote unquote, trying to suppress my voice as she runs a second straight time. Remember, she ran in 2020. Right. Um, she was uh, unsuccessful in 20. She dropped out. She was the uh, but but here she is again. And she's the only only Democrat. I'm not saying she, you know, she's a a well-known Democrat, but she does have a little bit of a national following. She's now in the race. 
She's selling books. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She did very well after the 2020. She's selling more books. Um, I'm looking at an article from The Nation, and here's what Marianne Williamson says. My choice really doesn't have to do with who's in the field or how crowded it is or anything like that. I'm running because I think there are things that need to be said in this country, because I think that the only an agenda of fundamental economic reform will beat the Republicans in 2024, because I feel like I can contribute. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at her agenda, and I'm going, how does it differ from anybody else in the Democratic field? How does she for Joe Biden? What? Arnie, this is where I, I can't, I'm a little surprised because Arnie is known in New Hampshire and around the country as a real progressive champion yes. firebrand. That is the Arnie I know and I love. Yes. So what is Marianne Williamson pushing? An agenda that includes, well, as she says, fundamental economic reform. That includes universal health care, tuition-free college, remove all college loan debt, 15 an hour, a dollar an hour minimum wage, free childcare, paid family and medical leave. And these mm -hmm. are things that even Bernie Sanders, who has said he will support Joe Biden if the president runs for election, the other day he called, you know, that she was raising serious issues. I'm not saying that these issues shouldn't be raised. I'm not sure Marianne Williamson is the vehicle for doing that, number one. Number two, she's also been on the record as saying that we're not going to change this country through politics or policy. Well, if that's the case, then why the H are you running? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can't have it every way. It's one thing to say all those things. That's like a little checklist. The other thing is actually to produce results. She says the right things. I want to see how she really delivers on them. Callie, I just wanted to get, I wanted to get Arnie going. And it, and it you happened. did, you did, you did, darling. <laughs> uh, well, from both of you, we can see that New Hampshire is still on the agenda for most people thinking of or already declaring. I think we can say that, right? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to move on to uh, these free staters that um, NBC Boston has been doing a big series on. And I've, I've heard of them before. We've, I know we've talked about them, Arnie, on, at some point uh, over the years. Uh, but the series was interesting to me because it seems to suggest that they have uh, risen to a point of having some political power to make other people pay attention. Anyway, before I get the two of you to weigh in on that, here's a clip from the trailer for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of New Hampshire from NBC10 Boston. There are a boatload of us here, and there are more and more coming. And in a way, we're taking over. <laughs> There's no place like New Hampshire to raise a family and to plan ahead for the next 100 years. Not taking over to rule you, taking over to liberate you. If you believe in America, <laughs> you've got to take action when these groups come to town. Trump didn't save us. Biden didn't save us. They're making it worse. We have this legislation in front of us. It is a bill to destroy the United States. We have the right to ask for a divorce. We can't be supporting things like secession. This is insane. It's really scary and it's really real. Okay, what's the impact of now a lot of people moving to New Hampshire and what will be their impact during this campaign season? They already have their impact. Um, the majority leader in the New Hampshire legislature, a guy named Jason Osborne, is a free stater. While we have a commissioner of education called Edelblut, I call him free state adjacent because if you look at all the people that he surrounds himself with and sort of he hangs out with, they happen to be free staters. I'll give you an example. There was a little tiny town called Croydon, New Hampshire. There was a free stater that was the head of the school board, a free stater that was the head of select board. When the town basically had the end of a town meeting, there were only like maybe 30 people left. They cut the town budget, these two free staters, uh, in half 
in half. The vote was 20 to 14, but that was a town vote, okay, because everybody else had left. Well, it turns out that these two free setters suddenly realized that um, the community was in an uproar. They actually created another hearing, another um, town meeting where they had to have huge numbers show up in a small town. And guess what? They reinstated the budget. 377 to 2. Ever heard of such a thing? 377 to 2. And you know what? Those two free staters, those were the two votes. And you find out that these free staters are the only people that actually stood up for the Commissioner of Education, Commissioner Edelblut. So when you want to look at them, don't look at the fact that there's only 5,000. Don't look at the fact that they want to attract 20,000 to New Hampshire. Look at what they're doing. They're looking at school boards. They're looking at select boards. They're looking at state house races. They're managing to sort of crawl into New Hampshire in such a way and they don't need to run on a party. That's the thing. They could run as a Democrat or a Republican because they don't really care about government. They care about dismantling government. They chose New Hampshire a number of years ago as the state that they wanted to control. They chose New Hampshire as the state they wanted to secede, and they know exactly what they're doing. They bring their money, they bring their energy, they bring their crazy, and they've been very strategic. So yeah, you saw that flick on MS, on, um, on, on NECN and whatever, um, and, and the problem is it shows them as crazy what it doesn't show them is basically powerful and potent because they know exactly what buttons to push and they're starting to push them and new hampshire is suffering as a result well that was just a little clip from their trailer so they there it's a uh several part series so i do think they're doing the whole um really profiling in, in a deep way uh who they are and what what impact but since i have you two here who are new hampshire insiders i want to ask you about it so paul what's your take yeah, you know, the Free State Project, uh, I think it started in 2001. And as already said, I mean, this is these are libertarians and their uh, their plan was to get 20,000 up here. Uh, they're getting they're not there yet, but they're getting towards their they're moving towards their goal. But as already said, th- their their power is much larger than their size. So they're very yes. organized. They know what they're doing. Uh and they're, you know, their their idea is to get rid of government, right? That that's that's their mission. And I'm not saying they're succeeding, but they're definitely creating waves, and it's it's only going to intensify, I, I assume, as they their numbers grow. I just want to know how you see them interacting in the presidential campaign, then, for because now that they're they're um, what punching above their weight, as people would say, it would seem that there's an opportunity for them. Do you think they care about presidential politics? They want to own New Hampshire. I, I think they want to own New Hampshire. I really do. I think that's their focus. Let the Republicans work, worry about what happens at the top. Remember, they want to secede. They don't even want to be part of the United States. So why would they care about a presidential candidate? But let me just quote you something. John, uh, Chris Sununu was talking about the uh, free staters when they tried to take over one of the mountains in New Hampshire and um, uh, called Gunstock. And he described them as crazy with a C. That's what he described them as. He says they don't believe in government. So these crazy crazy with the C's, these people, these free staters, happen to also be the Republican majority leader in the New Hampshire legislature. Remember, we have 400. You earn $100 a year. It's very easy to get elected. And then once you get elected, it's very easy to move up the food chain. But this is where they are right now. They are in positions of power. And even if you're not a card-carrying member of the Free State Project, you can be free state adjacent. And that means that you've already been here. You didn't have to move here, but you basically find their libertarian values their decision to secede, their desire to undermine public education as something that you can sort of buy into. And therefore, it's not just 5,000. It's significantly more than that. And that should frighten people. 
If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and I'm speaking with Arnie Arneson of WNHN and Paul Steinhauser of Fox News and the Concord Monitor. We're talking about New Hampshire's sway in national politics. And so, Paul, yes, I understand that their stated goal is we're going to succeed and we're not interested in government. But do you think that wouldn't it be an interesting strategy to use whatever power they have or have assessed and go through one of these potential presidential uh, nominees? It's it's going to be interesting going forward because we've had some Republican traffic up here in the presidential primaries. It's only going to intensify over the next 11 months. And whether they interact or even want to get the support of some of these free staters, that's remains to be seen. Uh, my guess is they're going to want to keep arm's length from them. But you know, in, if the primaries turn out to be close, the support of some of these free staters and their and their and their activists, well, it, it could be uh, it could be it could be worth. You know. And all I have to say is, let me sound the alarm here because I think people are saying, "Oh, the numbers are too small; it's not going to happen." Look at these people; they go to a pork fest. I mean, they're going to see this as kind of like a a Woodstock for libertarians. It is much more strategic than that. Much more strategic. They know exactly what they're doing, and they're using this sort of interesting sort of politics of New Hampshire, where it's so diverse. I mean, again, four hundred legislators. What does that say? All you have to do is control seventy-five legislators and you can probably control the whole house. So I think people don't understand that they can make significant inroads. It may not be secession, but what they could do with cutting nursing home staff, what they could do with cutting public education, what they could do with state services, they could do real damage. They may not secede, but they could harm. All right, let me see if I can squeeze in uh, uh, the concern about the northern border and um, the governor asking for $1.4 million for border patrols. I, I don't know where I've been, but I didn't realize that uh, there was a lot of anxiety about this norm, uh, northern border and the numbers of people coming across. Uh, Arnie, respond to that. Is he, first of all, is he going to get this one? <laughs> there are, well, there, there are more people coming across now than we've had probably in the last 12 years. But we're talking in the hundreds, okay? We're talking maybe 300 is what we're talking about. We already know that the federal government's adding 25 more folks up there. We're talking about Vermont. We're talking about New Hampshire border. We're talking about part of the New York border. Um, I think really what Governor Sununu is trying to do is be Governor Abbott light because we know what Governor Abbott likes to do. He likes to spend Texas dollars on the border because he doesn't trust what the federal government is going to do. So now Chris Sununu needs to get into the act and he wants to take, what is it, $1.4 million of our money to somehow do something along our border. It is a very long border. We're talking about a small handful of people. And if you want to talk about numbers, 40,000 Americans have, you know, gone over the border the other way into Canada illegally. So it's um, it's not a big deal. The numbers are increasing, but I'm not sure his contribution is going to make a difference. Paul? Well, it's it's uh, yeah, it was one point five million in his budget proposal. Yeah. This is the budget for the next two years here for New Hampshire. It'll have to be hammered out through the legislature. But again, I'm a campaign politics reporter. So what's the campaign implication here? Let's be honest in New Hampshire and anywhere in the United States on the Republican side. Exactly. Border security and illegal immigration are two firebrand mm, issues. Yep. Right. Uh, so, you know, if Sununu, if 
he decides to move forward with the, the possibility of a presidential nomination run. This is an issue that, that could serve him well. Uh, and it's an issue, of course, where his where voters on the in the R column pay a ton of attention. OK, well, let's conclude this way. I did not know there was a law that if you were on an Amtrak train <laughs> running from Maine to Boston, um, you could you're not supposed to be. It's against the law buying alcoholic beverages during this 35 mile stretch of the trip. Um, because you all are a big place where people come to buy alcoholic beverages. And, you you know, I guess according to the rule, you should be buying alcoholic beverages in New Hampshire. But since you're riding through on the train, they want to take, the, take that away from folks who are on the train. Well, they suspended that, Kelly. They said, well, let's let them continue to buy their booze, and then we'll think about it. We'll think, we're going to craft, a, what did they say, a clever solution, I think is what they said. I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing. It's ridiculous. And in some ways, it's almost embarrassing. Uh, and now they've sort of pulled back and said, we'll rethink this. Well, who knew it was happening? I, it, had it been happening before? The Down Easter <laughs> comes right through my town. I live yeah. in a little, tiny little town of Newfields, and it stops one town Away in Exeter on the way down to Boston. Sununu, uh, the governor, huh. after this hit, after this made headlines, he tweeted out, not happening, first drinks on me. So yeah, see what I mean? It's like ridiculous. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> oh, so y'all are not gonna get you're not you're gonna stop anybody. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. We'll throw beers at them as they drive well, through. What can I tell you? It's just insane. I would think that the creative solution would be to pause the train so people could get off and go to the store <laughs> and then then there you be then that would solve everybody's problem right you wouldn't be against the law and you'd be buying the the alcohol in new hampshire it's not i'm just saying it's, nuts. it's not gonna happen <laughs> so don't worry about it all right well listen i enjoyed this conversation with both of you we've just begun as you know the season is heating up so i hope to have you back on my air many many times as we start crawling to 2024 <laughs> the word is crawling <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> Arnie Arneson is a former New Hampshire Democratic legislator, nominee for governor and candidate for U.S. Congress, and host of WNHN's The Attitude with Arnie Arneson. Paul Steinheiser is a national politics reporter for Fox News and campaign columnist for the Concord Monitor. Coming up, author Michelle Miller grew up with a nagging question. Who was her mother and where was she? questions her dad avoided answering for most of her life until his life was almost at an end. Belonging, a daughter's search for identity through loss and love, is the story of Michelle Miller's lifelong quest to find her mother and understand herself. It's her first book and our March selection for Bookmarked, the Under the Radar Book Club. That's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley.